Recorded live. Welcome to Evolution Revolution with Dulcinea. It is Thursday, August 13th, 2009. Only in the stars above can we find the deeper understanding of who we are and where we come from. Tapping into possibilities and solutions is done for many in their dream space, unlocking the next step and often opening the gateway to understanding and universal support. Evolution Revolution is focused on offering the listeners intuitive and balanced information that fosters transformation both personally and globally, ultimately raising the consciousness on planet Earth. You can explore more about myself, including upcoming events, several services that I offer, Evolution Revolution, including all archives, Voices of Change, and much, much more on my website at www.evolutionrevolutionradio.com or www.dulcineasdivinevision.com. Thank you for joining the show this evening, wherever you may be listening. Tonight on Evolution Revolution, I am honored to have an appearance from Dr. Denise Baudet a Jungian developmental psychologist, researcher, and lecturer who has been helping parents understand their children's dreaming lives for more than 30 years. Denise began her career as a kindergarten teacher in Canada and in France, going on to be a professor of creativity and child development at Laval University in Quebec City. Her fascination with the imaginative life of children led her to the world of children's dreams. Her earlier books include Encountering the Monster, Pathways in Children's Dreams, and The Monster in Mirrors of the Self, edited by Christine Downing. During the next hour, Denise and I will delve into her fascinating book, Dream Guider, Open the Door to Your Child's Dreams, which offers invaluable insight for parents, grandparents, teachers, child and school psychologists, and all individuals who work with and support the healthy development of children. The book consists of tools, encourages creativity, strengthens communication between children and parents, and much more. Denise is a parent herself and lives with her husband in San Diego, California. Welcome, Denise. Thank you for joining me on Evolution Revolution this evening. It's an honor to have you with us. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Wonderful. So, Who and what were your influences that led you to study the dreaming phenomenon in children and how did that evolve into your current research and creations, including the fascinating book, Dream Guider? Well, I was, um, uh, I first of all, was a very active dreamer myself and then uh, came across this article by Kilton Stewart about the Sonoy in Malaysia. And when I read that, for some reason, something rang through, true to me. It felt like a, a return to the source. And this led me to wonder, how do our children in the West, who are not taught the art of dreaming, because in that article they were explaining how um, adults, were guiding children in not being fearful in their dreams and encountering the challenges in the form of tigers or uh, if a child dreamt of falling, the adults would encourage the child to surrender to the movement of falling rather than waking out of it. And I was, um, so I wondered how do our children in their dream world here since they don't get any training. And this began my study and my research in this subject, which really took me uh, into a long journey because what I discovered um, was that the encounter with the monster was by far the most prominent theme in the dreams of children that monster being sometimes a phantasmagorical creature, but also often an animal, a dream animal, like a snake or a tiger or a wolf, and occasionally an object, and occasionally also a human being, but mostly a creature or an animal. And 
what I looked at was how they encountered these beings within their dreams. And I found that there were three pathways that the children followed. The most frequently followed, of course, was combat, which took many forms, including combat, you know, struggling, running away, uh, devising different strategies to cope with the uh, dream character, which is perceived as a threat by the dreamer, like uh, trying to, uh, I don't know, use a, sometimes a weapon like throw a stone or um, resorting to an imaginary companion who has the powers that the dreamer does not have, and so on. And the second pathway that I observed, which was very rare, however, but was to approach, instead of running away, to approach this scary creature in the dream and to try to find out about it and eventually befriending it. And this, for me, portrayed, I realized, the path of the heart and you know, openness to the unknown and approaching of, uh, towards the unknown and trying to find out what it is and um, eventually... Um, relating to it, and under the guise of this approach, often the monster transformed and became friendly. And the last pathway, which was by far the most paradoxical, was to be eaten up by the monster, the threat of these monsters in the dreams of children and often in the dreams of adults as well, is to be eaten up, to be devoured, and uh, this does happen sometimes in the dream in dreams. And uh, what I saw was that because I followed these children for um, like three to four months, and so I saw that after this being swallowed up, there was there were signs of rebirth that came afterwards. So. Uh, this was quite uh, formative for me as well uh, as an adult just from uh, living with these images and trying to um, make sense of them and discover the energy that they carried and their deeper meanings. And I always, uh, my new book is a book that I wrote this for parents, drawing from my uh, earlier and long-term research in this field and also my experience with children and also my experience, of course, as a parent. And I wanted to um, hopefully invite parents to be dream guiders for their children, which is to foster the relationship between children and their inner world as it manifest itself through dreams. And rightfully, when you introduced me, you mentioned not just parents, but also educators and all adults who are uh, involved with children and promote their healthy and creative development, as well as parents. Very, very wonderful. I know that Dream Guider, opening the door to your child's dreams, was very beneficial for myself in understanding myself as I read through it because I related to so many of the processes that were unveiled throughout the book. Although I'm not a child, I'm also an active dreamer, so I, I could definitely relate to the meaning and um, the tools and the different resources that you provided. So, so in this book, your intention is to really create an interactive tool for adults to support children in fostering their dream space. Is that correct? Yes, exactly. You see, in this traditional world that I was acquainted with through this reading, um, it's said that the, I think it's really the shamans who were doing that. Perhaps it was also all, I, I, it seems like as it was reported that the adults who live with children also uh, foster that relationship. But in our world here, um, who's going to do it? You know, it has to be us, the parents. So I, that's why I wrote this book, hopefully to uh, encourage parents, parents to 
open the door to this extraordinary world to their children. And when a dream knocks at the door of a child's consciousness for the first time, even if it's a benign dream or even if it's a scary dream, don't close the door by saying, oh, it's just a dream or it's not important or don't forget about it, it's going to go away. This is really the opportunity to enter this other world, this larger world that is part of, of us. And uh, I think when we're, if it's a nightmare, um, it, something is calling to the child's attention and I think it's beneficial to respond to that world and cultivate a relationship with it. Most definitely. So the value of having parents work with their children and assisting them in dream interpretation and learning to help them follow their dreams with appropriate ideas, thoughts, or actions to really assist in awareness and and a healthy development what tools do you offer in Dream Guider that can help to initiate that process? Well, the very first and basic uh, uh, attitude to cultivate is receptivity, to just uh, listening to the dream. And I recommend to write the dreams, to keep a dream journal with children, even if they're very little. It's very um, empowering to them, for them, when they see an adult writing, putting in writing in this uh, form of communication that they don't, they are not able to uh, practice themselves because they're too young. So when we keep a dream journal, we convey to the child that we value their dreams and their dreaming processes, and also we value them as dream tellers. And it communicates to the child that there's a place where the dreams are recorded. There's a place for the dreams. And that has also uh, an impact on the child's um, ability uh, to recall his or her dreams. If the child knows that we're going to record the dream the next day, we're going to listen to the dream and then record it, it becomes a stimulus, I would say, uh, to be aware of the dreams when they occur and to learn to remember them. And that's be- it's the very beginning of the practice of awareness, you know, to be aware of an, an interior event like a dream. It's the perhaps the first training or certainly one of the first trainings that we can get as human beings in being able to pay attention to, uh, as I say, an inner event, and these other other event inner events might be our thoughts, or our feelings, or our sensations, and we know as adults that those of us who are uh, seeking to be uh, live more consciously, how precious this awareness is, and how indispensable it is to uh, you know, live more consciously. And I think it's uh, probably the first stage of, of training in becoming, uh, being able to be more aware. And the practice of paying attention to the dreams refines that awareness over the years. So what age do children begin dreaming then? So when can a parent begin to integrate a dream journal and initiate this very valuable awareness? I would start the minute the child tells a dream. Some children have a report their first dreams uh, when they're, I would say, mostly three, but occasionally some children will report dreams earlier. And we could say something as simple as, uh, you know, what, invite the child to just sit with us and say, I'll write it down. Just why not, can, Do you think you could tell me a second time your dream and I'm going to write it down? Or if they're too little and it doesn't, we, we sense that it doesn't make sense for them, or we have a sense as a parent of what our child can take or doesn't, and if it doesn't seem appropriate because they're, they're too, too young, we can just record it ourselves in the journal, you know, in a journal, and that's the beginning. 
but as they begin begin more verbal, you know, by the time they're two and a half, three, four, they begin to uh, be able to report their dreams. That is a very important concept, and I think you pointed out not only is it valuable for the child to initiate awareness, but it also helps the parent to explore their own awareness of uh, leading the child into this. So the receptivity is also expanding the parent's awareness, which in turn creates a win-win growth opportunity or lesson. Yes, absolutely. It, I think any, any um, dream guiding that we can play as parents has to be, before anything else, through being receptive, you know, because we don't want, it's important not to um, get in the way. Our goal is to foster that relationship, not interfere with it. So it's very important that we stay in touch with the fact that we are there to uh, facilitate the child's relationship with his or her dream, with his or her dream world. And so uh, being receptive is, is called forth uh, in, in that context. From your experience in research, are children's dream reports reliable? Oh, that's a wonderful question because I think um, many adults discount the dreams of children on the basis that their reports might not be reliable or they're making it up or so on and so on. Uh, there's even um, a researcher in the field of children's dreams who uh, claim that children do not dream at all before they're five or six, and that is a big mistake. Children do dream before that, and their dreams are reliable. Their reports are reliable. It is normal for a young child to um, uh, perhaps occasionally to act on the dream and to develop it. If we record the dream, as a parent, we're in a good position to hear the dream, you know, as the child wakes up. And so it's fresh out of the unconscious of the child, and it's pure, and that's the best time to record it or to, to catch the dream. And sometimes... Um, if the dream, it's, it is, it does happen that children elaborate on their dreams if they tell it a second time and, and so on. And that's okay. It's a, de, if it's a development on the dream. And by analogy, we adults, um, several adults nowadays, you know, train themselves to be able to return to a dream and re, continue the dream and see how it's going to develop. So it's okay, to, and I think for children, they do it spontaneously, and it's their way of working on their dreams. But overall, as a parent, it's easy to see that the dreams we record are reliable. Do occasionally, uh, we are also aware that they start, you know, confabulating around the dream, and we see it, and that's okay. I think that it's advisable when we are aware that the child is doing that to just continue recording as if, you know, as if it were uh, straight from the the night and not make any fuss out of it or, or bring the attention of the child to, to, to this. Over time, they will figure it out by themselves. It is, is it a cognitive task for children to learn how to differentiate uh, the imaginary world from the day-to-day -day reality. Uh, and so by the time they're six and a half or seven, it's very clear to them. And an older child will say, oh, this is not part of the dream. Don't write this down. Uh, you know, they know that they're kind of added this to the dream. As they're young, they're not going to make that distinction consciously. But so we, I, I encourage people to um, take the reports as the children give them and not that that stay at that. <laughs> so most that. certainly. I think there's value in that. And in Dream Guider I recall reading about how 
there, there's actually stages of children's dreamings depending upon what developmental stages they're in. So the dreams of a child between the age 3 and 5 versus 7 and 9 may be in a very different developmental stage. And of course, the parent would be best to monitor those dreams through the developmental stages. But as a researcher, what have you experienced in the developmental phases and how the dream space varies? Um, the most obvious change from you know the very first beginning, the very first dreams are reported, all the uh, and going towards uh, seven, eight, nine. It's the the reports get longer, and the dreams also become more frequent as they grow older. By the five years old is a really a booming age for dreaming, five and six. Children have a lot of dreams at that stage, and it's also a very important life transition. Another thing that changes, is interesting to observe, is the uh, their awareness of their dreaming process also grows. At the beginning, they'll just report dreams. Then sometimes they'll say, oh, there's a lot more, but I can't remember. They are aware that they have been dreaming for a long stretch of time, but only the tail end of the dream is the part that they remember. But they are aware that they there was more to it. Sure, then, that happens to me. <laughs> well, of course, yes, yes, yes. But it's fascinating to see that, you know, like a four-year-old begins yes. to discover this for the first time. That ability. Yes, and then um, it, it continues as they even like sometimes when they're, uh, I don't know, eight or nine, they may sometimes have a dream inside a dream. Or uh, occasionally also we may observe moments of, of lucidity, you know, of being aware that they're dreaming while they're dreaming. This is uh, occasional, of course, and it's sometimes triggered by... Um, a displacement, like uh, a child uh, is in another country, for example, in dreams of a friend uh, that stayed home, and so between that's some, sometimes uh, something that can trigger this awareness because I'm in this other country, but I'm dreaming of John, whom I left in San Diego. So, and there's a moment, a flash of awareness, and the child says. I'm dreaming <laughs> within the dream. <laughs> so it's That's just, very fun. Yeah, it's 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 such a fascinating. Uh, it's such a complex reality, even to us adults. We it's very hard to uh, grasp the, all the um, the world that we tap into through through dreaming and all the many you know kinds of dreams and and. Uh, um, awarenesses that we we get through 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 dreaming and so to see a child trying to figure this extraordinary complex reality it's it's uh, humbling to 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 watch and it's it's really beautiful in, in many ways yes so why is it so often that in the american society that we do focus on dreaming and we look at its value as adults but we disregard its value in children and, and its ability to assist them in awareness, self-development, life skills, uh, prophetic visions, and, and many, many other aspects of who they are and what this world is about. Yes. Well, I'm not even as a, in the world of adults. I don't know how widespread it is. You know, I think there's certainly much more uh, awareness of the value of dreaming now that there was, you know, 30 and uh, 40, year, 40 years ago. But you're right. With children, it seems um, it, it does. it's still uh, not as uh, prevalent as um, an interest. And so that's part of my work, I think, to bring awareness to the value of paying attention to the dreams of children early on and how significant it can be in the development of their uh, imaginal 
life and capacities and creativity and intuition. And um, But perhaps with time we'll get there. Now we have a president who wrote a book and told some of his dreams in it. <laughs> so that's... It's <laughs> a start, right? We're opening up gateways. <laughs> that's a big so, step. It is, it is, and that's a great role model for us as a nation and particularly yeah. for our children. Exactly. So yeah. should parents ask the child for dreams or wait for dreams to arrive um, on their own time? Um, I Ideally, um, if adults in the household are tuned in to their dreams, dreaming will be part of the household. It's, so the household will be dream receptive. And the child will will somehow know that because occasionally a parent will say, oh gosh, I dreamed of this and this and that this morning or I had a beautiful dream. And so likely when the child has a dream, the child will recognize it also. And it's going to come naturally. And I think in many ways it's, um, it's um, perhaps more favorable this way. Children are very um, suggestible. And um, I, if we were to say to a young child, you know, that too often perhaps, uh, do you have a dream, do you have a dream, they might not even know what we're talking Probably they don't know what we're talking about uh, when they're very young. And uh, we may, without meaning to, encourage them to uh, make them up. Not that there's anything wrong with making up uh, stories and, and fantasies. There's a value in that, too. Anyway, in, in overall, I think it's probably uh, cultivating a, an, a, a relationship to dreams in ourselves as adults makes it part of our environment and is is the best way, the most indirect way and probably the best, the most natural way to invite children to step into that world. And if it's if someone is hearing listening to this show and say, I never paid attention to my dreams in my life but I want to start or I want to pay attention to the dreams of my children, well, then do so, you know, <laughs> because then you um and see where it takes you. Just open the door. And and the children, so many times adults have told me that they had difficult dreams when they were, uh, they were young, and they were alone with those dreams. To this day, sometimes they've never told these dreams to anybody. And it's it's uh, it's poignant to hear because it would be such a, it would have, might have been such a relief to them if there had been someone there just to hear the dream. And a lot of the time, the parents don't know what to do with the dreams themselves. So I'm hoping that my book will help make them feel more comfortable with the world of dreams and with the dreams of their children. And just, you know, go into the adventure with the children, with your child, and see where it takes you. The dreams of children teach us adults. I learn from the children, really. And so that's all of us parents can learn from the dreams of our children, and that's probably the best way. We'll learn from their dreams, and then occasionally we we will have the good sense of uh, giving a a good word or uh, the right question or the right encouragement when they... Uh, are brave in their dream world or they solve problems or uh, we will be there to acknowledge their resourcefulness when we recognize it. Mm -hmm, That is so important. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. again, it's a very uh, kind of a comes naturally, right? The way we, we would do it for their behavior in their real life if they say, I know I went to the 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 pool and uh, there was conflict between these two kids and I helped them sorting it out, we would say, wonderful, what you did sounds like it's wonderful. Well, the same way, 
if it happens in a dream, we can also we have the same we can have the same spontaneous um, expression of, uh, of of pleasure and, and delight and uh, in what they've done what they have done in the dream. I think that is so valuable. You know, throughout the book Dream Guider, what's really also um, very valuable in this book is for someone who is in touch with their dreams as a parent or a teacher or a school psychologist, etc., as anybody working with um, children, you don't have to necessarily be in, in tune with your dreams. By reading the book, it actually opens up the gateway for, for the adult and the child to um, to expand where they are in their dream space, and it offers extremely detailed stories of children who offer, it basically gives a tangible value and meaning to dreams that can then be used as an example for when a child approaches oneself and is not sure quite how to handle the experience. So it really, I would say, holds parents and adults by the hand through the process of exploring the dream world and its value to children, and not only to the child, but to themselves. So there was a story that you had mentioned in the book um, about uh, a dream is incubating in the child's soul. And you talk about Tommy, who plays the violin in his school orchestra, had a dream. He went to rehearsal and he had found the room unoccupied and closed. And then you go into um, an explanation about a week prior to the dream. He had gone to orchestra and that exact event had happened. So often it shows how meaning of experience in our day-to-day lives can come through dreams and how we can work through those lessons in the dream space. Yes. I think that was just so, such an important tangible example of how you really take the reader in the book into tangible examples that can offer meaning and guidance as a parent or adult to mm-hmm. a child. Yes, yes. And may I add to what you were saying, how um, in your experience of reading the book, it was helpful to you as an adult? Because several people have said that to me also, how in reading the book, it attuned them to their own dreams, sometimes as a child, and has allowed them to reconnect with a part of themselves that they had left dormant and had forgotten about it. And that one woman said, the way she put it, she said, she always said, she wrote a review of the book, and she always said that uh, it was helpful for parents to know how to help their child, or it was also helpful for the child inside of us, adult, adult, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. both the inner child, <laughs> the inner child, yeah, mm-hmm. the child we've been that still lives in us forever. Yes, yes. So the book adds benefits in all directions. It's just a mutually beneficial tool to have around and to explore. And I think that there are also benefits to parenting as a whole to using some of the tactics that you introduced in the idea like self-expression and something that you had found in your research is by by delving into dreams, it increases creativity. Yes. So, so can you expand on that? I think that is such an important point because we are taught in the Western culture the importance of creativity, be in the arts, be in the sports, be you know journaling and writing. I mean, we have so much emphasis in our early education system on creative expression. Yes. Um, there's a larger intelligence at work in our dream. And that larger intelligence is not um, restricted by the confinement of our day-to-day reality. And for people who have often children who I found had difficulty with creative writing, I've encouraged them to write their dreams as a means of unlocking their creativity because the dream comes 
from us the same way uh, on uh, beyond our our uh, controlling mind and from a deeper place inside of us the same way um, uh, creative inspiration comes all types of inspiration but that's the perhaps the an easy way for a child to 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 grasp that and it's it's tangible there's a there's a story the dream has come and there are living characters in the dream in the dream and some events occur and uh uncanny uh, uh juxtaposition of uh events and landscapes and things and the child can all they have to do is describe what's there there's a flow and that teaches i think the child to um, have a taste gives the child a taste of that creative flow as it comes through the dreams it's effortless isn't it when the dream comes it just unravels and unfolds and we're just there watching it and i think that's a wonderful um uh way of of learning about this um creative source that we all have inside of ourselves and can learn to tap into and allow to flow and to the dreams it's so easy yes 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 so fun so fun (laughs) i know i i absolutely love it i think it's so great this this um research and the book that you offer was so intriguing to me i thought wow this is so it's really delving into new territory yes which is always a fun adventure. I understand that here on Evolution Revolution. <laughs> <laughs> so why are dreams important uh, to the human species as a whole? What, why does, what is the value of us exploring our dreams and, and what are the benefits that we would then want to bring them forth into the lives of our children? I think, you know, in most traditional societies, um, way before organized religion, this was the way people attuned to the world of spirit. And we have lost completely touch with this natural way to tap into the world of the, the spiritual world, really, the, the, the world of spirit. And perhaps this is one of the greatest benefits. I think we dream to awaken. It's a paradox, but we dream to wake up. Um, and if we... Again, as I was saying earlier, I think it's a way to tap into a larger intelligence the lo- beyond our our more restricted uh, day-to-day consci- ordinary consciousness that we need to manage in this world. But there's much more to who we are, as I'm sure you know, and to who we all are as human beings. And that's perhaps such a simple way accessible to everybody because it comes to us every night to, to start exploring this world and and see where it takes us. Perhaps that's one of the of the greatest great benefits of, of dreaming, which as I say, people have known have known for, for forever and we seem to have lost touch with that world as we develop and identify with our rational mind and came to devalue as unreliable or nothing but blah 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 the dreams and it's there's a it's a mistake there's such a uh, a wealth and a, a wisdom that awaits us within our dreams and the opportunity to awaken to a larger consciousness which is probably what one of the most important thing we can do as human beings on this planet yes i couldn't agree with you more i think that is so important and i think that dreaming is the most valuable tool to really tap into our own inner consciousness and collective consciousness yes yes so how do you recommend uh, a parent approach with a child making sense of their dreams, of the child's dreams? Do you recommend interpretation? 
Do you recommend um, neutral listening? I know you um, offer several tools throughout the book, Dream Guider. But what's the, what are the couple of the concepts that you offer as a parent begins to implement these solutions at home in terms of making sense of the meaning of their child's dreams? Yes, thank you. That's a good question. Um, I think one of the great obstacles that people have when it comes to dreams is that they are at a loss when it comes to understanding what it means. And also earlier in the previous century, now we're in a new century, but with you know, dreams were reintroduced to through psychoanalysis. And dreams were kind of the privileged territory of the psychoanalyst or the specialist. And ordinary people felt that they didn't have the tools or the training to understand their dreams. And, I, you know, obviously our dreams are there for, for us to tap into and learn from and uh, uh, ponder on. And we don't need to be any uh, highly trained specialist. Just the simple practice of dreaming and paying attention to our dreams, little by little, we begin to understand. So with children... In general, it is wiser not to get into uh, too much of psychologizing and interpreting the dreams. It is better to take the dreams as an experience that the child tells. By analogy, if the child came and said, I went to this and this and that place with this and that friend and this happened, you know, we listen or try to be empathic, and um, then we, we try to be genuine in how we respond. You know, oh, did you think about this? Or, or oh, this reminds me of this. And I think the most uh, spontaneous and natural way to interact with the child in a way that's genuine, that's probably the key is to be very genuine. And if we don't have anything to say, it's okay to say, I don't understand what this means. I'll think about it. Or uh, And sometimes there's nothing to say. Just say, thank you for telling me your dream. That's enough. You know, we don't need to go into uh, interpretation of all dreams. And dreams are, um, our interpretations are never, it's important to understand also that ultimately the dreamer is the one who can, who is the best person to understand and interpret his or her dream. It's useful to have other points of view, of course, to trigger a reflection, but we, it's important to understand that there's no definite interpretation to a dream. It's always a point of view that's useful. That can it's useful in that it can lead to insights and more consciousness and more awareness. And that's the value of interpreting is to provide points of view that can trigger further reflection and and uh, more consciousness. But it's important to know there's no definite black and white, this is what it means, period. It's always something that is uh, in flux. And uh, we revisit, especially like very important dreams, big dreams, we can never exhaust their meaning. We return to them. Over, we live with some dreams that are so important to our, to our lifetime. And they always they keep uh, giving us energy, and we keep relating to them. Uh, and so it's it's I think it's important to have a, a big big picture about interpretation. And I there's one dictionary symbol that I use uh, in my work. I always return to this one. It doesn't have any fixed interpretation, but it says it's more like an almost like an encyclopedic. Uh, reading of symbols, the authors will say, well, in this culture it means that, in that context it means this, and in this context it may mean that. So it gives you uh, uh, a range of possibilities, and then you read this and you say, oh, this speaks to me, or this speaks to me, or this doesn't. And, and then, So uh, I'm I'm kind of going beyond now the question which was about children. 
Sure, sure. No, but that's that's great to to, to give the the big uh, picture, the context. But for children, um, it would be uh, probably uh, a turnoff, or it could be a turnoff for them. To sure, uh, too much to, information. Yeah, too much, exactly, too much information, and and then you know they'd say it, it could. We don't want to make it our own mental trip on their dreams. Right, because then we kind of uh, put a claim on it, and it's not what it's about. It's uh, we need to always keep in track that we're there um, to facilitate their relationship with their dream world. Most certainly, that is such valuable wisdom. We are speaking with author of Dream Guider: Open the Door to Your Child's Dreams, a most fascinating read for all parents, caretakers school psychologists, anybody who works with children who really fosters the healthy, whole self-development of children could really really find some wise insight from Dream Guider. And, you know, I'd like to really um, end on this very exciting note of 10 guidelines for dreaming that you present in the book, Dream Guider, okay. that I think are so simple but are so profound. Thank you. Yes. Would you like to read through them for us? Sure. Okay, wonderful. <laughs> so just wanted to read them? Sure, and then you can elaborate on anything that's important. These are really the premise of the book in some and can really allow our listeners to leave from the hour with some meaningful insight about where to start with their dream world with their children. Great. Um, number one. Give your child your full attention as she or he relates a dream. If you cannot offer this, ask your child if you can receive the dream another time soon. Number two, record your child's dream as he or she reports it. Recording a dream as a child tells it communicates that you value both the dream and the telling. Three, when your child shares a dream with you, thank your child for telling you the dream. There's a, it's important, I feel, to be gracious. A dream is an inner experience, and there's something very intimate about a dream. Whatever dream we have and whoever tells the dreams, it's always something very uh, intimate to their lives. And and often it carries um, meaning that the, the one who tells the dream doesn't even know at the time they're telling the dream, especially a child. So I find that uh, it's always a gift when a child or anyone shares a part of their inner world. And that is um, a, a, a very appropriate and a very natural movement to say thank you as a gesture of gratitude. Number four, appreciate and acknowledge what is resourceful in your child's dream behavior. Number five, be mindful of your reactivity as you hear your child's dreams so that your child will not be influenced by worry or judgments from you. Being a dream guider for our children is really an invitation for us to bring a lot of consciousness in how we relate to our children. When they tell dreams, it are, we are so, um, we love our children so much and we are so attached to them and so in, in, immersed in protecting them that we can be sometimes reactive or, or uh, uh, have a reaction to the dream that they tell us. And it's important to observe that within ourselves and not let our reaction, again, get in the way of the relationship that the child has with his or her dream. So observe that in yourself and just take a note, make a note of it. And um, when you are by yourself or... Uh, just revisit the dream and revisit how it affects you and what it is 
may know the difference between what belongs to you and what belongs to the child in the dream and the dream of the child. Number six, do not press your child for dreams by constant questioning. Again, it's all a world of uh, it's all about being gracious. It's the inner world of the child and the relationship that the child has and, and with that inner world that is beginning to open. So uh, receptivity is what is probably the best way of um, allowing that relationship to blossom. Number seven, set time aside to be present to your child at bedtime. Set everything else aside, including electronic and digital devices. Nowadays, we are wired. The younger, the more wired they are. It's, you know, the text messaging, the cell phone, and so on and so on. So it's very important to honor this precious time of transition between night, between day, I should say, and night. It's a liminal time. And sending, being present for this departure for the voyage into the night recalls that we are there free from all these, uh, uh, you know, devices that call attention elsewhere and that uh, we are fully present to our children at that moment. Just that, it is. imagine that your child goes to Europe or to a, a trip far away, and then you take your child to the airport, and instead of being present to your child and attentive to him or her at that moment just before this departure for a long journey, you're, you're you know, on the cell phone with someone else or... Uh, you're not really there. So why take your child to the airport? So that's the same. They are on their way to a journey that they take all by themselves. They're not with ours, with us when we go. They go into the, the dream world. Eventually they learn to have allies within their dream world. But So all of that to be there present as they launch into their dream adventures. Number eight. Whether your child awakens screaming inconsolably or looks for you in the morning, still hurting from a difficult dream, remember that you are her or his first ally. Take responsibility for your child's portrayal of your behavior in his or her dreams. If you have hurt your child's feelings in a dream, mend your bond with your child. If we are committed to parenting consciously, and to loving our children the best we can, their dreams are occasionally a source of information on how they we come across to them, how their dream self perceives us. And sometimes if we don't find it flattering the way we are portrayed in their dreams, instead of saying, oh, it's just a dream anyway, or to argue with what has appeared in the dream, I encourage you to just stay silent if you can't take it. (laughs) And in the quiet of your room or the quiet of your meditation room or the quiet of your heart, revisit the image, and it's a gift, you will see. It's an opportunity to fine-tune our parenting, and uh, often these dreams uh, show us the way to our children's hearts. I tell an example of a dream that my own daughter had where I uh, yelled at her in a dream because she had jumped into a pool with her nightgown. And it was a very simple dream, and then she said, you yelled at me. And I I think it's important to acknowledge uh Children take these dreams as real, and they are. In a, they are, and so to say, I'm sorry, I yelled at you in your dream. To to take responsibility for our behavior. And if we don't understand, because we don't always, we can all, we can say, thank you for telling me your dream. I don't know what it means, but I will definitely consider it and think about it. 
and they know we've received the message and take it in and we'll do what we can to uh, be responsive. And that's all we need to say often. Number nine, number ten, if you are puzzled by a dream of your child's, carry it within yourself because insights might come to you throughout your day. As I said, dreams are not in black and white and they it's like an, an enigmatic uh, message that we receive and they because they are enigmatic they trigger our reflection we ponder on them and that's the way to get draw meaning from our dreams is just to you know kind of carry them carry them within yourself and see what comes uh, in to your mind as you go through your day, and insights might come, or you might just sometimes chat with another person and say, "I had that dream, and I wonder what it means." And sometimes just by telling it to someone else, then some insight comes. So the dreams teach us to be um, to live uh, intuitively, to be open to the unknown and when we glimpse uh, specks of lights through our dreams or, or when we glimpse insight about their potential meaning uh, we grow in consciousness very beautiful we are speaking with Dr. Denise Bedeau author of Dream Guider Open the Door to Your Child's Dream Our dreams are gifts of glimpses of who we are, where we come from, and the vast array of lessons that we have come to earth to learn and gravel through. Universal lessons of love, compassion, understanding, peace, joy, and oneness are woven into the dream world of adults and children alike to expand awareness and enlighten us to aspects of who we are and remind us of who we are not. Embark upon the inner journey of your dream world and lovingly support those around you, especially children, as the golden doors of limitless understanding will shine upon. May the heavenly realms support you, and happy dreaming! Mm-hmm. Next week on August 20th, Sharon Jeffers will lead us into a mystical love and destiny divination system in her book release that is filled with research and unique offerings based on the familiar deck of 52 playing cards in her book, Love and Destiny, Discover the Secret Language of Relationships. On August 27th, Dr. David Bercelli will be visiting with us, and on September 3rd, Pamela Brooks will be visiting. On September 10th, Peggy McCall will be making a reappearance with her latest book release, The One Thing. And on September 17th, Jeff Brown will be making his reappearance. On September 24th, Robert Hill will be visiting, and on October 15th, we'll be speaking with Noah Ben Shea. Coming up on October 22nd, Paul Rademacher will be on Evolution Revolution. And on October 29th, we'll be speaking with Larry LaShawn. Back on November 12th, we'll be speaking with Barbara Han Clow. And coming up on December 31st for a two-hour New Year's special, we'll be speaking with Richard Lawrence. You can purchase all the author's books featured on Evolution Revolution at www.amazon.com or link up to their individual websites through the Evolution Revolution website at www.evolutionrevolutionradio.com. Please join me in the upcoming weeks on the revolutionary independent production of Evolution Revolution for some exciting guests and uplifting inspiration, which can be further explored under the upcoming guest section on the home page. Additionally, please explore the Evolution Revolution archive shows with inspirational authors that can be found on the Evolution Revolution homepage under the Archives tabs. And of course, all episodes are available for free in the iTunes store by searching Dulcinea. The Archives shows are available 24 hours a day and include amazing talent such as Michael Tamora, Dr. Stephen Farmer, Richard Lawrence, Barbara Han Clow, Dr. Amit Goswami, Neil Donald Walsh, Barbara Marks Hubbard, Arielle Ford, Sarah McLean, Gary Zukoff and Linda Francis, Charles Virtue, David Robert Ord, and more. 
Please share Evolution Revolution Radio with others who may desire to join us in the future for an enlightening experience. You can now align with myself and Evolution Revolution Radio on Facebook by searching Dulcinea333. And be sure to become a fan of Evolution Revolution Radio for special offers and free books. Also, please be sure to explore the new audio feature called Voices of Change at www.evolutionrevolutionradio.com under the Voices of Change section. Voices of Change offers a unique expression of divine talent and wisdom that has the potential to expand, enlighten, and catalyze universal consciousness into the ever-present, abundant, infinite, and limitless realms. Be sure to explore the exciting audio feature that's ready for listening to include Dennis Lewis, Lorraine Rowe, Starhawk, Dreaming Bear, Amber Hinton, and more. Co-create with Evolution Revolution, we are seeking partners to help us evolve and expand to even more people across the globe. If you are interested in partnering and supporting the rapid development of Evolution Revolution, please explore the Evolution Revolution tab at www.evolutionrevolutionradio.com. I look forward to hearing from you about the infinite possibilities to co-create in the highest light and with the grandest intentions. Thank you for joining Evolution Revolution this evening with my honored guest, Dr. Denise Bedeau, and her book, Dream Guider, Open the Door to Your Child's Dreams. Thank you, Denise, for your time and expertise this evening. My pleasure. You're welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, it was a wonderful hour. I had a great, great time. Thank you. It was a mutual pleasure. Thank you. Much gratitude to you for listening and supporting the revolutionary independent production of Evolution Revolution Radio. I wish each of you an abundance of heavenly love, including peace, awareness, joy, and gratitude today and always. Abundant miracles. Good night. Good night.